apparently millennials as a generation, which is a group of people who were born approximately uh, 1984 and after, um, uh, are tough to manage. And they're accused of being entitled and narcissistic, self-interested, unfocused, lazy. But entitled is the big one. Surprise, motherfucker. What's going on, everybody? Episode 8 of the Casual Millennials Podcast. As always, sitting across from my friend and co-host, Eric Hess. Eric, how's life? Great. A little wet today. Uh, it's Kyle, but I got caught in the rain on a scooter on the way here. Nice. Uh, well, you weren't riding a bike this time, so no workout. No, no, no workout. Um, as you mentioned, we are joined by our friend, also a whitewater grad, Kyle Martinelli. Kyle, what's going on? Good. Good. I, uh... Did not come here on a bird. Still got wet though, so it's okay. Um, enjoying this, and let's see where this goes. So yeah, first time on a podcast, right? Yeah, first time ever on podcast, TV, any media other than my own Facebook, I think. So. <laughs> what about Twitter? Yeah, but not Twitter and Instagram. There you go. Vine, just Vine once or twice. TikTok. I downloaded uh, TikTok now. Did you? No, yeah. I've not been on TikTok. I, I hear a lot about that though. Same um, thing as Vine. It's like mine, but worse. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. just a bunch of like sixteen-year-olds. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like less than years. Like, <laughs> you know, if we had access. Gary V on that all the time. Yeah. TikTok is a new thing. Yeah. They just announced their ad platform and it went live like a couple weeks oh, ago. Really? So it's just been full of that kind of stuff. There's another CEO that was talking about TikTok too. I forget who it was. I read some like blurb about it. Yeah. So that's where like 20, 26% of the people on there are buying power currently. And there's like not 12 million people on the app. Yeah. And nobody's using it. But. We talk about TikTok a lot in there. Let's yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, the um, um, yeah, so if you're watching, I look like shit. Sorry, I just got off of uh, Mets and I'm out of jiu-jitsu class. So yeah. my body is hurting right now. I'm sweaty and tired as shit. But we're here. We're recording a podcast. And I'm excited to learn more and see where this conversation goes. So Kyle, why don't you just give the 30-second minute spiel about who you are, uh, what you do, uh, what you went to college for, sure. uh, and maybe anything else you feel like talking about. Uh, so grew up in South Central Wisconsin, a little town called Milton. Um, went to Whitewater for business. Had no idea what I wanted to do with that until maybe junior, I think, maybe late sophomore year. So I got a supply chain management degree, which I used for zero percent <laughs> college. Uh, so I went to start with the U.S. Bank straight out of college in the Kenosha area, and then moved to Milwaukee. Chasing my dream since then. What's so, the dream? So work with the US Bank. Um building a better future. As bad as that sounds. Um better his, future his, his, my inner circle. <laughs> no, um I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to define it. I think it's a moving target for yeah. sure, like at all times. Um I thought it was gonna be just like a nine to five coming out of college, and now it's kind of evolved a lot. A lot of things I'm currently doing, things I'm working on, a lot of things I want to work on in the future. So currently still uh, an accountant with U.S. Bank. Um, do a little real estate on the side. A little? Um, a little more than a little. Yeah, it's a lot. It's um, not full-time, but it's quite a bit. So we have uh, 10 units over three buildings. So we have a quad in the greater Bayview area than a triplex in the Bayview area that we live in and self-manage. And then we have a triplex in the uh, Brewers Hill area. Nice. So 
that keeps me bouncing around quite a bit. And then obviously the, the nine to five and then full-time spouse. Um, yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Recently, uh, married. Yeah. It's been a month of pure bliss. Once you walk down the aisle, it's special. Um, Think twice if you're being called captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's been great. Uh, I mean, a quarter of it's been on the beach, so I can't really complain. So where'd, you where'd you go? We went to Aruba. So, yeah, it was a good time. The Rio Palace. Um, would recommend anybody trying to get away from the post life after planning a major event with a lot of family members. So, how big was the wedding? Uh, <laughs> it ended up being about 175. So we did it at uh, MKE Brewing, oh, really? um, which is actually we used it's Venue 42 and F Street Hospitality hosts it, and Glass and Grills in it. Yeah, so it's the one over yeah. by the old church over uh, past the Forum. Yeah, it's like yeah. in between Pabst and uh, Pfizer Forum. Yeah, so um, good food there. Yeah, it's still they're still uh, renovating. I think was going to be a tap room, but then the rooftop was a ceremony, and then the actual venue was the reception. Oh, that worked out. That's where you had your ceremony too, then. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's cool. We just hopped downstairs for the reception. That's really yeah. cool. If you're catching my drift, I didn't get the invite, listeners. So <laughs> still fine. in the mail. I was one seventy-five. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't ask how many people went. <laughs> Could have just looked around the room. Uh, yeah, that was a blast. Um, it's a lot to coordinate, but I can imagine. I hear horror stories about how that can yeah. be. We did it fairly drama free, though. We had a day of coordinator, which I would recommend to anybody. Um, took a lot of stress out of it. But yeah, I think weddings are going to be stressful no matter what. You feel so responsible for you know, 100 and some or 200 and some odd people, their enjoyment that day, and then you want to have some, some fun yourself. So sure. it's a lot to juggle. Um, so let's talk about this. So how did you get into that real estate and are you going for the passive income? Did you want a side hustle? Did you feel like you weren't getting everything out of your job? What kind of drew you to the extra work? Because as you mentioned, you're bouncing around, you're nine to five already, you're now you're married, you're planning a wedding and then managing three properties on top of that isn't easy. Yeah. So, uh, I would say, I think right when you move into college, after, after you're done with dorm life, you move into this house and you're like, I'm paying what a month? live with how many people a month in this old rundown house. I think that's where it sparked it. Um, so, you know, just growing up, my parents just had a house. So if you grew up there, they weren't making any money off of me. So you go to college and you're like, you know, paying X amount to go into a, basically you get a free room and then a kitchen and then you're paying so much a month. And it's just, you look at that and you think, oh, I can monetize that. Like I've called, called my landlord twice throughout the year. They didn't really do much work. Obviously, it's a lot more work than that, which I found out. But um, I think passive income is a goal. Um, I would say what drew me to the passive part about is that you can build something for yourself. So it's like a lot of work in the beginning, and then it just makes you money as you continuously maintain it. Versus going to a nine to five, you know, if I put in a two weeks, two weeks after like the U.S. Bank is done paying, you know, so there's nothing. Um, residual for the work that I put in to start. So that's where I got interested in. And then just doing self-research, actually going to uh, my first um, showing, I guess, of a house and then getting an MLO to laugh at me for the first time was really eye-opening and just like doing research that way. And then I kind of got discouraged from it, came back with a little bit more capital the next time. Define MLO for the listeners. 
Oh, MLO is a mortgage loan officer. So basically, the first two things you do to go buy a house would be see a realtor to go look at houses and then find your MLO and we'll give you a pre-approval. So MLO will just like look at your income and say, yeah, we pre-approve you. So if you look at a house in this dollar range, you'll be able to buy this house. And then you go with a realtor, you'll look at a house and then they say, you know, if you like it, if you want to write an offer, etc. cetera. Um, Sorry to cut you in there, but um, no. so you had an MLO left that you came back from more capital. Yes. And then you're probably cruising to the finish line. Yeah, so I tried to do a partnership, which eventually could still be another partnership. Um, but that fell through due to like a housing ordinance. Mm-hmm. We we're trying to get insurance um, with an FHA loan. And then um, FHA loan is a loan that allows you, it's government insured, allows you to buy a house with 3.5% down. So a few variations of it, but the most common one is just a, uh, an FHA. So you can buy a house with 3.5% down. Government says, okay, through the life of the loan, though, you're gonna pay mortgage interest. So you pay interest on top of that. You pay obviously your principal to the bank and the interest to the bank, taxes. Um, so it's the insurance of the yeah. default. It's just, yeah. Because yeah. you don't have that much capital down. So um, with the FHA, you have to pay it for the life of the loan. There's some others that drop off once you get to you know, like 20%, which would have been like down payment. But yeah, so we're trying to use an FHA and then we wouldn't get insured through it due to the FHA because if it burned down or there was an event, we wouldn't be able to build it back to a fourplex because of city, the city ordinance. And then, um, so we could only buy or build, rebuild a single family home. So then we wouldn't have the rent coming in so then we didn't clear the rent specifications. So that was a bummer. It was definitely another roadblock. But at that point in time, I had done so much research. Now let's do a bigger pockets. It's a podcast I listen to. I'd say a good place to start if anybody's looking to even just learn more about buying a house. Um, they're all real estate. They have a business podcast now and they have a money podcast. So I'd acquire a lot of knowledge there and just it kind of gives you confidence. Anybody can go through the process, but that gives you a lot of confidence about what you know you're doing. Um, so then I came back and discouraged for a little bit, but knew I was going to go through with something shortly. And then started renting later and then I bought um, one as an investment in October of 17. And then that was paying itself back very quickly. So I bought another one with an FHA then in January of 18. So that turnover was pretty quick. And then- and Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you've done like a lot of work on those houses too. You like completely yeah. renovated them, right? So the first one I did as an investment in the, what I call the greater baby area or the greater Bayview area or the more affordable section of Bayview is um, we had to redo one unit. So we were putting countertops, floors, um, not a whole lot, just painting, just like cosmetic stuff. So that one wasn't a lot. We just redid the one unit that was vacant at the time. Um, and then we you know, just collected rent on that. And then the one that we had at FHA. So the FHA is not there to build a rental portfolio. So you actually have to live in it for a year is what the, Government says it's not terribly policed, but um, just to stay within guidelines, we want to live there a year. So then the FHA in uh, Brewers Hill, we did all three units at this point. The initial, there was somebody living in the third unit. So we were just going to redo the two bottom units. So like top to bottom, we didn't go down to the studs, but like almost everything in the studs, like, uh, you know, plenty of moments where I'm complaining about yelling expletives all over the place with the plumbing. We did, we did plumbing, we did air conditioning, we did floors, um, 
hash work a little bit with the walls, mouth with the walls. Um, and you did that all on your own? We did about 90% of it. Obviously, I had you know, construct an air conditioning unit, but <laughs> plumbing uh, probably, right? Plumbing we did with the exception of one 2 a.m. night when I shut the plumbing or the water off the entire building and I was on my hands and knees in a bathtub trying to get this to work and uh, just hadn't done enough research. I'm taking like this hacksaw, like this copper piece. I didn't have like a, uh, like a tube cutter or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't just like take it off and like plumber came at like four in the morning and he just laughed at me and he's like, what are you doing? Like I'm here with this like hacksaw going at this copper pipe. He's like, that's never going to seal because it's going to be like all jagged. So yeah. took like three seconds, spun this little pipe cutter around it and then tossed on like a new attachment and it's good to go from there. But I'm stressing out so much because I had to shut off. There's only one shut off for the entire building. So if somebody else living upstairs is like going to wake up in like three hours and need to shower. Yeah. I'm like almost near tears, ready to be done with it. But I don't know, you get through those and it's so satisfying to see it come together. Obviously mm-hmm. anything like when you put real estate together, it looks really nice. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, sanding the floors, retiling other floors. Definitely the experiences. So, um, like yeah, so much work. Just me and a uh, girlfriend at the time, wife now, we're just there doing it. So definitely memories I'll, I'll have for a long time. I have too much sawdust in my lungs now. <laughs> it's just what it is. When's the next one? Do you have a plan like buying the next one yet? Or the next you guys one? a little bit? Um, yeah, so right now, just how the loans are worked, we bought the one that we're in now, uh, the bigger yard for the dogs, of course. So it wasn't as much of a, an investment as the other ones. It's more of just a place to live that we can eventually get it to a point where it's an investment. So uh, we're looking to restructure the loans is the one that we're in now as an FHA. And I'm not sure if you follow rates, but they just drop quite a bit. So we want to refinance that because then the mortgage interest drops off and the um, the rate drops. So then you're paying a lot less in interest throughout the year. Um, which I think you would always take that angle, that you would take the less interest, but interest is also something you can write off, so it's not the worst. Um, so anytime you're paying off a loan early, you're like paying down extra principal, negative side effect to that, that you won't be able to write that interest off at the end of the year. So, so I get half, about half my tax return is all the interest I pay on my student loans. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. Though. Yeah, just yeah. like that. Yeah, um, so Steve, my boss's boss, uh, he refinances his loan every time the rates drop. Yeah. So he's refinanced his loan, he's been there for a year, like already like two or three times. <laughs> like, yeah. He had to wait a certain period and just refinance it again, wanted to refinance it again, so. yeah. To plug anybody, I'd say Waukesha State Bank. They do Ooh. a great job. Um, How much money did you get for that plug there? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot. I kind of kind of sold out for this podcast. There it is. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it costs about $2,000-ish to refinance from the, you know, start to finish. Um, you have to redo your uh, escrow account. Mm-hmm. That's obviously your money or going towards things you're going to pay anyway. Um, and then you get basically one month free. So there's, you pay for the, the month of your refinance. So if you refinance October 15th, you pay out October 15th through the 31st and then November you don't pay. So your next payment will be in December. So when you're doing rentals, obviously that's not a big deal for your own house, but when you're doing rentals, then you have like a free month of rent basically. So if your rent is more than that 2000, it's almost silly not to refinance if you can't get a better rate. 
for deals. But all right, so that's real estate talk. Yeah, Kyle Martinelli. So let's let's break this out a little bit broader. So like you get out of college, you have the supply chain management degree, very useful as we've already mentioned. So what was your initial thoughts? So did you have a job at, a, at US Bank before you graduated or did you graduate and you were kind of like, all right, now what the fuck do I do? Yeah, so I had kicked around the idea of going to, uh, I was actually gonna use a supply chain management obviously since I had it. I got a job with Sherwin-Williams bank company. Um, I don't know if I would call it supply chain, it was more management. It was a lot of retail sales that I wasn't too stoked for. That would have been in the Madison area, which I was completely fine with Madison. Lovely city. But um, moved to US Bank then, just kind of on a whim almost. I so you got the job at Sherman Williams, did you start there? I got an internship after my junior year. Okay. So I stayed on through most of the year um, and then had a job lined up at the beginning of my senior year to start at Madison at the end of my senior year. Did you have like a signed contract or was it just an offer waiting for you? I had an ex- I had accepted the offer at that point. Did you sign anything? I didn't sign anything. So you verbally accepted? Yeah, I think okay. it was just a verbal acceptance. So I hadn't gone for it yet. And then I told Sherwin Williams I'm going to be in the Kenosha area. Um, and I tried to transfer, which was in different districts. So I had to get the approval from the Madison uh, district manager to... Um, moved to the Kenosha area. So I had to tell him that, hey, you have another spot that you can open up to someone else. So they filled that spot. Between the time that I went to get the interview with the district manager in the Kenosha area. So they didn't like me in the Kenosha area. So I didn't go through with Sherwin Williams. Gotcha. I'm not sure if I would have stuck with it, but it would have been nice to have something in your back pocket and not feel frantic for an entire nine months. Right. Before the end of my senior year. Yeah, so what was that thought process? You're like, fuck, I was like, you yeah. had like this whole good safety net and now you didn't. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I was just being lazy. And I think, I don't know, obviously I was bummed not having a safety net. I think I could have handled that process a little bit better. I was doing pity applications, but I was just kind of applying to places and if they rejected me, I was like fine with it, whatever. I just felt so burnt out on the whole process because I had applied to so many places. I guess, you know, I don't know, I was just down on myself, not feeling great about it. And then I think it was maybe three weeks before graduation, um, I applied to US Bank prior and they called me out of nowhere. I think I was, I might've even been day drinking or something. I don't know why they called me on like Saturday or something, or maybe it's Friday. <laughs> yes, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, it's Friday, Tuesday. But they called me out of nowhere and I tried to like field these questions like, why do you think US Bank? And I was just like, made up some BS. I was like, I have no idea. I don't even remember replying to this. I think it was like on some site or something. I don't know. Um, that maybe like my resume just got uploaded there. So that's kind of how it happened by luck. And then I went in for an interview and I was a banker for eight or nine months to start. And I knew that's not where I was gonna be long-term. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just got my foot in the door and then I looked on their career page um, inside uh, within US Bank. And then I moved to be an accountant. Um, eight months after, yeah, so I moved to okay. Milwaukee. And Milwaukee, and then I said, you guys make Philly? Been enjoying it. Yeah, nice. we're on the, uh, I don't know if I can dispose the floor around. Ooh, pretty secretive. Yeah, I was on the 34th floor when I was in that building. So. Yeah, now we're on the 6th. So. Yeah. Yeah, probably eating too many DK lunches and chilling there. Still too bad. Right? It's so, a, yeah, it's a nice 
Nice building. Sorry to cut you off. Now you're good. It's hard to look out the window and see that Northwestern Mutual building. Why? Yeah. Gorgeous. Big, gorgeous building. They have like a whole deck for like fitness center. Yeah, I saw like that. Huge like penthouse. Whatever's going on. Yeah, but there. then you have to work for Northwestern Mutual. It's true. <laughs> I would <laughs> imagine they have tenants in there though, right? Or are they all Northwestern Mutual? All Northwestern Mutual. They're moving like everybody out of their old building, I think. Oh, and okay. now they don't have, now the building next to the US Bank is Rexmark, which used to be yeah. Northwestern Mutual. It's what now? It's Rexmark. Or not Rexmark, Foxtown. Oh. Sorry. Oh, yeah. 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 Come on, guys. Get your that's corporate really, movements. Really Come on. So you freaking work down here. I don't even work down here. I've been there for four years and I don't, I don't even know what's going on down there. Um, but looking back in that like nine month stretch where you were kind of threatened, like I, there's a lot of college students who go through that. Like, um, you know, I had a friend, Matt Sherrard, who you may know. Um, yeah, he definitely. graduated without a job and didn't get a job until nine months after college. He was working yeah. at like Jimmy John's, you know, random places just to make ends meet. You know, what is your advice having gone through that? And you know, you kind of hit those burnout stages, you've applied for everything, you feel down on yourself, but like, what would you say that to, to Kyle, old Kyle now, that you've had that experience and gone through it and, and yeah. maybe look back? I should really know this. I should have a polished answer for that. Cause I go back to I hope not. Why would you think oh, okay. Yeah, so people you, are like, yeah, you know, what, what are you looking for? And really, um, I'd say people are looking for more of a, a fit with their team, or at least in the accounting and finance space, and I guess specific to US Bank. People really look for a fit and people they can work with more than um, like what do you call them? hard skills sure. versus soft skills. So they're looking at a lot of soft skills, um, just how well you can like communicate in a interview setting and how you're doing more I guess high pressure. I guess you would consider an interview high pressure, but like uh, in high pressure instances versus I feel like when I was in school, I was like, I need this technical knowledge. Like I need them to know I got X GPA. I need them to know I did this thing or that thing. I think it's more of just how you interact and how you can communicate with people. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question on that, but I would say that's what I would tell people. Yeah, I mean, you think that's... Like how you should aim your interviews. Yeah, what if you're not even getting interviews? Yeah, if you're not getting interviews, um, find somebody who can help you with your resume as quick as you can. That's great. Good um, also, I think there are a lot of organizations that you can go to that just have contacts, you know, like we have a lot of U.S. bank people that have contacts within, you know, whatever, IMA, AMA, whatever the organizations are. AMA? Uh, or not AMA, that was American Market. They've got them within organizations like, yeah. U.S. bank's like, okay, hey, we need good people. Okay, we got good people. So, right. you can connect it that way. When I got my job at Baird, I worked with one recruit the entire time. And I actually applied for like six or seven different jobs. Yeah. I had like 30, I forget the number, but like almost 30 or just over 30 interviews by the time I got a job. That's crazy. It was nuts. And like the one that I finally got the job for, it was like three different rounds. And one of the days I was there for like four or five hours, just like getting drilled after drill. Yeah. So this is 30 interviews with Baird or 30 like? 30 interviews with Baird, but like for however many different positions. Oh, okay. So like I went through different rounds and then while I'm there one day, I'm doing like four different interviews with four different people or four different groups of people. Like they, they drilled you there. So it's different people too, you said? Yeah. 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 They were probably trying to just see what team you fit best on at that point. Well, no, I got denied to a lot of them. Yeah. Like, and it was over the course of like a year. Oh, really? Uh, Maybe eight months, nine months. Oh, a while it was. Because I remember, shit, I don't remember her name actually. Mary something. She was, she was super nice, and she, I, thought, I think she liked me. She like kept throwing me like jobs that I came. Yeah, she wanted the money you were worth. So did you memorize like the Baird uh, 
like letter that says like, you did the job. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been good. You got like all thirty of them stacked up but we I were got so many emails. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You're a great candidate, but we're pursuing other interests. Oh, yeah. So we will keep your resume on file. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's always the worst. Like, yeah, okay. That actually did help me. Actually, that actually happened one time. Yeah. So, I was, when I was interviewing for jobs when I was reading my last one, I, I applied for a job at CNA Insurance in Chicago, and the recruiter called me like right away. I got a phone interview. And I didn't want to move to Chicago. I said, like, I'm, my whole my goal or hope would be that I could work in the office three to four days of the week and work from home two, two, one or two days a week. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that position didn't work out. And she was like, yeah, unfortunately, you, you know, the, the hiring manager would want you to be here every day. So that just won't work out. You know, but I really enjoy talking with you. So I'll, and I'll keep my eyes open for something else that, you know, I think you'd be a good fit for. And I was like, okay. And I was kind of just like, yeah, sure, whatever. You yeah. know, it's just being nice, but that's fine. I get it. And then no shit, like two, like two, three weeks later, like I'm got my first interview with Fiserv. I'm in that process. I get a phone call from that same recruiter, like, hey, found this position. I think you'd be great for, you know, blah, blah, blah. We'd love to bring you down to get that set up. But like my turnover was like Thursday, my interview or my phone interview with Fiserv, Monday, um, or no, it was a like Tuesday phone interview, Friday in person interview, Monday second in person interview, Tuesday offer letter. So I didn't even have a chance to get to Chicago to go to that yeah. interview. Um, but like that can happen. So don't always feel too down. Yeah. The recruiter likes you, especially if they're an in-company recruiter, they will try to find a spot for you. Did you establish any connection with them? Or was it just kind of like you dropped your resume out and then? I just threw my resume on LinkedIn. I was applying, kind of, kind of the same thing. I was applying for everything. I was just waiting to see what happened. I reached out to a few recruiters I had previously talked to. I burned a bridge with Miller. Like, so oh, that yeah. was great. I, cause when I left Bagatilli, I, a recruiter reached out to me and we set up a phone interview got my job at my previous employer and then canceled that in-person interview. Same thing happened here. I reached out to the same recruiter. I'm like, hey, uh, or I actually applied for a job and he reached out because I applied for the wrong one. He's like, I think you want to do this one, right? I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I applied for that. We got all that set up. We got the in-person set up. And then I accepted my advisor job like two days before my Miller in-person was. And I was yeah. like, darn. Yeah, so now he like disconnected from me at LinkedIn. Oh really? Yeah. Dang, the spiteful disconnect. Yeah. Apparently, I haven't seen anything post from him. I have like 800 connections, so maybe it just he gets lost in uh, everything else. But yeah, yeah, I want to do that. Pretty awesome. So yeah, that's something that I feel like a lot of college students, and myself especially, like I really underutilize LinkedIn. Oh yeah. yes, like, it's especially now. And like, I mean, even then, it's so valuable, man. There's you use premium. I keep thinking about it every time like, I'm on there every day and, I'm, and I post a lot of content on there and I like interact with them and I'm like, yeah. hmm. especially because we're doing this stuff now. And I'm always like, maybe I should, maybe it's worth it to pay. Cause like I'll get thousands of views on my like posts, yeah. um, you know, without even really trying. It's like, I could really leverage that for other things. That'd be great. So I don't know where to take it though. Cause I'm not a B2B salesperson, I'm not an account manager. Yeah. I'm just, I guess, what are you trying to do with the premium? I guess, what can you do? I don't know. I know you can see everybody that views your profile. I know that. That's how I always see them get premium. But I don't know what else you can do. Do you know? It's like more analytics. You just get like more analytics, more like stuff that you can see who's viewing you. I think you get like more features as far as like what you can do within like setting up groups and stuff like that. I, I don't know exactly either. I never yeah. have been. I don't know. Maybe there's Shape has a video on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. And but. 
to back to my original, my burning the bridge, the reason I was asking about your Sherwin Williams kind of, yeah. did you kind of have the job offer, you had your safety net, then you found the one you really wanted and you had to like kind of break that connection because that's what I had to do um, with my internship that turned into a job and then I went to Baker Tilly. Um, and I think that a lot of like, especially young professionals and college grads don't know how to handle that because they like yeah. the safety net, but then it almost makes you look bad um, because you're accepting a job and they're expecting you to be there on Monday and then yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a slippery slope, and I can totally see that, you know, younger college, even, you know, older professionals might not know how to handle that. What do you think of people reaching out on LinkedIn? Oh, I love it. Oh, man. So, I've had, like, really good experiences with people reaching out on LinkedIn, but, like, really shitty experiences. I want to hear about the shitty ones. I'll tell you about both. I'll start with shitty, because, like, they go right together. So, like, the shitty ones are you get someone that connects with you, and, like, right away you know it's a salesperson. Oh, yeah. And the first thing you get is... Hi, Eric, I'm interested in your business. Like just generic copy and paste. Like not even, you didn't even take the time to like look at my profile and like put something personal in there. Yeah. You know, you are literally copying and pasting this to every single person. They got Eric in there though. They got it. <laughs> Sometimes. Hi, this yeah. No, but like the crazy thing about it is, is, okay, so I don't know, maybe that happens twice a day, you know, and like maybe every other day I'll get one person that owns a marketing agency that is reaching out to me. It's like, you do realize that I do the exact same thing that you do. And yeah. I don't know. I've started to like call people out on this and then they all they do is just like unconnect. They do that mm-hmm. same thing. But I've also made some really cool connections from it. Cause as soon as I see that someone is genuinely reaching out and like actually trying to start a conversation, I will get that conversation going right back. I will try to offer like whatever they need for me, not in like a marketing way, just in like a how who can I introduce you to or like how can I benefit this relationship for you type of thing. So like that is the first thing I'm always trying to do with those types of people, and I've met some really cool people that way. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I'm a, I always take any meeting that I can get, like whether I know it's going to be just like potentially a total waste of time or whatever. Yeah. Like if I have the time, like if we can get that time together, I'll take it. And I've you know met clients that I have now just that way. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it might seem like a waste of time at the time, but yeah, for sure. Because you never know, man. Yeah, and if, even if they personally can't help you, like. Now, or you can't help them now, you mm-hmm. see someone, you know, three months on the road or whatever, like, oh, this would be a perfect connect for this person and that yeah. person. I, like, that's like a game to me. Like, it's super yeah. rewarding when you connect two people that do work out just for a business <laughs> relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we just it's only bottles. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they can hear it. I guess we'll probably have to leave some of it in. So there's <laughs> bottles being thrown in the trash can behind us. <laughs> It's scared yeah. Kyle, like a cat. I'm like, he kind of tensed up a little bit, like somebody's trying to break yeah. it out. window. I think they're throwing from the fourth floor. <laughs> I saw the cellar. LinkedIn's a cool, LinkedIn's an awesome space, but it's just like oversaturated with people that are just ungen- like incredibly ungenuine. I guess that's just yeah. life too. Well, yeah. yeah, it's any platform. It's yeah. like Instagram, it's... It's Twitter on the box yeah. there. It's, yeah. it's everything like that. And when people do that, especially like in the marketing space, like I'll, I'll call them out like in a kind of nice way. Like I don't want to be a complete dick to people, but then I'll like genuinely ask like, does this work for you? Like, yeah. Do you actually get clients this way? Like there's, in my opinion, there's no way you do. No. Yeah. I've actually asked people that too. Yeah. Like, like does this, why do are people actually like right. respond back to these to get um, like a job interview? Seriously. Well, that's what, like I feel about cold emails, like for yeah. me personally sending them to prospects, like I can copy and paste or even get personal with an mm-hmm. email to hundreds of different, let's just say like chiropractors in the area. 
Yeah. And then, you know, maybe even if 10% of those people even just hit spam on my emails, that's like personally hurting my brand, my email yeah. and like my website. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not good. Yeah. I don't know though, from an individual, like from my perspective, like I just get recruiters that reach out more often than not, or like financial advisors. Like if you're, and this isn't a knock to uh, a friend of mine who reached out lots to come on the podcast as a friend, financial advisor, but like you have financial advisor as your job title and I don't know who you are and we have like maybe two connections in common, I'm not going to accept your connection yeah. Because I know you're just reaching out to try to find a client to so yeah. manage that money or sell me life insurance. I'm like, no, I don't need that, thank you. Yeah. CPA for God's sakes. They schedule you for a very vague meeting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's go grab coffee. Yeah. 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 I get it. That happens with uh, multi-level marketing and financial advisors quite a bit. Which actually, unpopular opinion. I think multi-level marketing is great. I don't even know what it is. You mean like uh, pyramid schemes? Yes, pyramid schemes. Got it. I think they're good. I think what was the one in White Water when they were there? Amway. No, it was it's probably energy drink. drink. Energy drink. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't what was it? Is it? Is it Verve? Yes. Verve. Yes. 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 I think Colin uh, Driscoll got super into that. Yeah, I knew some people that got into that. I what think uh, was friends with Painter and all of them. They got really Vincenzo. Yeah, I, actually, I saw his Instagram recently. He's doing big things. He's a photographer now. Big things. Yeah, his Instagram looks like he's doing big things. Yeah, but I don't know. His life looks sweet. But I think multi-level marketing. Good. That's a good thing. Why? As long as you get that Lambo. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Only right. when you get 100 people underneath you do you right. get a, a Lambo. I think the uh, initial thought behind it is great. So I think it's a platform that you can, it's like something another platform that you can run a business out of. What I don't think is great is leveraging your friends and family mm-hmm. to make money off it. I think if you have a valuable product and you can sell it genuinely, I think it's great. Obviously, you have like the oversaturation of like people trying to make like a quick dollar. Like, same thing as like LinkedIn. Like, so many recruiters on there just trying to have a quick pitch to apply for their company because they get a cut of it for their oh, yeah. recruiting. I think recruiter reach out to me today. Exactly. Yeah, it's like one once on a week and they haven't established like a genuine relationship, which I think it's a good platform to have like, you know, Spotify, you can have your own podcast. Like it's a platform that you can have your own business, mm-hmm. which when you build it the right way and you put the work in ahead of time and build relationships, I think it's a great thing. There's just too many people who didn't do it the right way that gives it such a horrible name. I'm not a part of any, but I do yeah, think they're apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to yeah, drink but if you heard, <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> about like, it. If you got like 15 minutes after that, <laughs> yes. um, and then they would leave you the fuck alone. Like, yeah. It's like, stop. Um, um, do you want to make like a couple hundred bucks extra yeah. a month? I'm not paying your bills. All you got to do is yeah. just call up and get five people signed yeah. up. Do you want to quit your job? Do you want to quit your podcast? Oh. <laughs> No, I think I think they're in th- maybe I guess I think they're in theory they're great um, in practice not so much. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you in the sense, if people were just like incredibly, if you only yeah. dealt with the authentic ones, if you authentic yeah. people, but like you're right, there's just so many yeah. people that are trying to get rich quick. Yeah, and just do it like in a really shitty way. Yeah, and if you're trying to just get people under you, it's obviously not like that's that's the pyramid. That's what people are looking at instead of getting product to the people that would want the product and yeah. use the product. And I know people that have gotten. Like done great with it. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Somebody actually launched a incredibly successful real estate based off of their earnings from it. So, is his name Kyle Martinelli? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's I'm, good. I'm Kyle, <laughs> Kyle John. Yeah. yeah, he's my friend. <laughs> yeah. a really good friend. He's a guy, I know. Um, yeah, that was a, a quick tangent. 
No, it's all that, that. Those are fun names. I, I haven't thought yeah. of verb or pyramid scheme on track, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Today. Um, let's drop the big question, especially, and I don't know what we're going to get out of this. Um, cause if you didn't go to where I'm going to ask you about, none of us would probably be sitting there. So, um, college looking yeah. back, you went, you got a degree, you don't necessarily even use it anymore. Yep. Was it worth it? Do you regret going? If you don't, would you have changed anything? Um, and if you do, why? Yeah. So I'm going to give a little shout out to myself here. I have watched, watched on YouTube, yes. all of the podcasts. So I knew this question was coming. He prepped. <laughs> also, still don't have a good answer for that. I really don't. Um, I was on the mom and dad scholarship, so obviously it was a no-brainer for me. But people who are paying for it themselves, it's tough because I had so much learning and like personal growth being on my own and things that I learned while I was there, even though I had a degree that I, I technically don't use. I needed to have a degree, degree to have my job currently. Um, I kind of overhyped my econ minor when I was talking about getting a finance position. So obviously that helped and that got me the job, but I think it's so tough to say, you know, let's go 60, hundred plus thousand dollars in debt to get a job that you know, you're going to pay that back over X amount of years. Um, I think, yeah, it's worth it. I'm going to go to a limb and say, yeah, it's mm -hmm. worth it. Why? Um, I just don't think I would have the personal growth that I did while I was there. If I was just on my own working a different job or trying to launch a company. What type of personal growth did you get? Um, if you don't want to get into too many details, you don't have to. Yeah, no, I mean, just living on your own is definitely a different experience. Um, as I mentioned, my parents paid for tuition while I was there. So, you know, still working a job and having to pay for other things is still a learning experience, watching yourself financially. Um, also managing relationships when... You know, I, I didn't say, I wouldn't say I had really strict parents, but I had parents that would hold me to you know, guidelines, you know, things, curfews and everything. And then being on your own, managing your relationships and, in that aspect is, is different too. Um, managing your own workload and not having anybody tell you to go do your homework or, you know, yell at you or anything. It's like, everything's on your own. So would I have had the same growth in just working a job? I don't think so. So I think college is worth it. Um, D3 schools, at least, they're a little cheaper. Uh, we're on the guy for this. I think trade schools are going to be up and coming and big. I know yeah. a lot of people that have, um, you know, like, uh, electricians, plumbers, making like more than, you know, certain people in certain areas. I don't want to go specifics about my personal life, but. I mean, Eric. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, they're making six figure plus earnings and they're getting all this overtime working on big projects building the Northwestern Mutual building and I think it's you know they're coming out without any debt and they're seeing this freedom and I wouldn't say stress-free lifestyle but they don't have the stress of debt that's such a burden that I don't think you can really um, plan for mm -hmm. you can't experience that debt or that feeling of saying oh I'm gonna pay like $400 or $300 a month for the next eight years like you just can't know that feeling until it hits you until you have that. That doesn't bother me so much. You can budget for payments. Yeah, you can budget for it, but... What if you're like, hey, it's 400 bucks, I'd rather buy Eric a new bike or something. Right. You know? Or I'm like, like this guy. Do your bike break. No. Oh, okay. But I'd like a new one. Huh. You would like a new one. Um, I mean, that's fair. Okay, so would you have gotten a different major if you could go back and do it again? No. I think business is a... Supply very, chain? Very universal. I kind of lumped it in my interviews as like business... 
Um, I harped on my econ minor a lot. Actually. So did you double major in econ supply chain? Yeah, it was, it was funny. I had to, so I'd say one more econ course, I think, to make a double major. And so I had 12 credits my senior year last semester. So I could have filled it and made a full 15 out of double major. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> I hated econometrics so much. I was like, I'll just keep a minor. I don't even care at this point. I just oh want to get out God. of this <laughs> It's the laziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, looking back, I made a lot of lazy moves in college, which I'm glad I don't anymore. Well, I, mean, I shouldn't talk. I needed a 55% on my last final in one of my master's classes to get to pass the class. And I walked out of there and I was like, I don't think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't study at all. I just cheated on my neighbor. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, whiteboard is giving out degrees to people like that. Yep. So, <laughs> hey, if you went to college and you didn't cheat, you're the dumb yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I just call it, well, we did cheating, but it was definitely a pooling answers, maybe, should sure. I say? Just we, resources as well? Yeah, we definitely went to college at a, a great time to be there. Um, my now brother-in-law is in college currently, and they have so many more measures that they take for people not to cheat or answer share or like pool their answers together on like D2L. Mm-hmm. So we would take a D2L, we'd take a laptop of one person's D2L, hook it up on HDMI to a TV, all, all five of us would sit in a room and answer questions for the first person. They would get like, you know, everybody's looking like hitting through their book or looking yep. through their laptop. First person would probably get like a, a 90. We'd save all the answers and the next like four people would get 98s because we'd go through and get all of them right and then just get like one wrong. Yes. So we'd get hundreds. I remember doing that. Except we all have, if it was the same question test, we'd always put it at the same time we'd all go through it at the same time. So yeah. That was yeah, so I was doing it four times over, but yeah, those were, I remember doing that. Yeah. I think we'd do the first person to see if you could get the summary of the uh, answers after. God. And then if you couldn't, then everybody else would just do it at the same time. But Eric, you're not, yeah. did you do any of that? Or were you? <laughs> oh yeah. I, every, everyone did, man. I think so. <laughs> like it's, I, I wanted to say like, I, when I graduated, I wanted to wear a Quizlet shirt underneath. <laughs> and I think I tweeted out, I was like, I think I should be giving money to Quizlet. Yeah. I don't know, like I used it, but yeah. I'm I think it shut down, I think. Yeah. Did they? I think so. See, that shuts. It 100% should have yeah. been. But I'm a firm believer that a degree, like a college degree, prior to the internet is way more valuable. And like, oh, yeah. Think how much more hard that well, dude, yeah. the, Even the CPA, like, before, so you can take it. There's four sections of it. You can take them separately now over the course of two years you have. Back before it was this way, it was a two-day exam on the floor of the Bradley Center. All you had was a pencil and a calculator, and that was it. And it was eight-hour days just in there. Yeah. All four parts at once. That's tough. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even fucking imagine doing that. Yeah. I'm passing. No, yeah. I think the price of degrees is going to keep going up. I think it'll be slowly more and more or less valuable. I think what's going to eventually happen, I think it'll come back down. I think so. I think, I think pending, pending elections, I think it's going to... The value of your degree is going to keep going down just because, like you said, like with the um, boom of the internet, it might be more. I mean, it's more on how well you can use your resources instead of actually knowing things, I would say. Well, it's like we kind of talked about, I think, in another class, like Google and like other companies are actually just wanting to hire people out right out of high school or without college degrees. Because yeah. that's shit you learn, especially in tech industries, is like obsolete in a year. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think if especially if college ends up becoming free, I think it's just going to be an extension of high school almost. It it's it's it going to be institutionalized by government. Yeah, so man, it's going to take it. It's just like the norm now. Like, yeah, 
And it's, I think a lot of companies, especially startups, I think a lot of companies even just, they see you have a degree or they don't even care if you have a degree. They just yeah. care, like you said, if you fit with that team, if you're coachable, mm-hmm. and if you like really want to be there. You know? Depends on yeah. position patterns. You're right. I'm not doing that for a CFO. You're right. Like, I would I like a CFO, and then if a CFO wants to hire somebody that doesn't have that and teach them, then that's fine. Yeah. I think you need your, like, four people that have either the base knowledge and have done it already, or have a degree and done it already, then you can just, you can't have somebody fresh off the streets and done it before. You're right. Like, certain aspects, but yeah. yeah. I'm talking more, I guess, entry level. Yeah, like, that's level fair. positions, like, even a manager, like, you have to have someone that has at least some type of experience in that field or some type of managerial experience. Like, you can't just throw someone in there yeah. and touch them to coach people. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, I think we're getting you know forty five minutes into this lovely conversation. Some laughs uh, came through. What's one thing that we didn't talk about that you were hoping to talk about? Eric's bicycling. <laughs> Eric's bicycling. I didn't know you were cycling. No, I, I, I'm not big into cycling. You should see my bike. First of all, my, my bike, bike is uh, it got it's a hand me down nice okay. mountain bike with a brake that doesn't work too well. Um, nice. I believe it's a hobby. Nice. But in greater news, so I found out, well, I knew this, but I like came to the realization recently that my dad sells uh, um, like motorized scooters, kind of like yeah. birds, essentially. Yeah, like yeah. scooters that go to birds and lines. And then yeah, exactly. Scooters. So he like is a middleman that just sells them to people. Yeah. And so I got one over there now um, to try around for a little bit. Maybe yeah. I want it. So he went from bragging about working out and yeah. this bicycling to now just being lazy. Oh, yeah. See, this, is, this is like the dilemma in my head. It's like, can I just do this? Should I just keep biking? Well, um, you're not going to do it winter anyway. So that's kind of it's a not a point point in October. Right now it's not. So like, I wanted to test out for a little bit to just play with and we'll make this decision next year. How much so, is it? I think it's like three to 400. Jesus. Shouldn't your dad be against those since he's not a millennial? Great. Oh, I wanted to yeah. actually bring that up today. Yeah, La- last thought here. We haven't. What do you guys feel about from... like motorized scooters, birds, limes, all that stuff? As a uh, like you see people, older people th- shoving them down, throwing them yeah. in the water, all, all these videos. That's in bigger, bigger cities though, where it's like a way bigger issue. I feel like I think I see people pushing down here. Yeah, yeah. I don't get up the MLMs. I think they're great in theory, in practice. <sighs> because I see so many people in like third ward just driving those things reckless. Well, like, obviously a fear for their safety. Yeah, I got on the sidewalks. There has to yeah. be like some type of edu- like not education, but like you have to be smart about it. Or like they need to start handing out tickets to people that are yeah. driving like assholes. But yeah, if they keep if you give them a bike line, I think they're great. I think they're awesome. Yeah. So I mean, you can get from like Bayview to downtown for like two bucks or three bucks. Maybe. So, no way. Yes way. Isn't it a dollar to start and then fifteen cents a minute? It's like from my apartment on Prospect to my friend's apartment um, over near Grand Avenue is like six dollars. He told me that he Uber he lied from his apartment to my aunt. I like think he's taking a scenic route. <laughs> I think he might be BSing you too. I don't know. I think because from my place to Casa it was like three. Really? For like a mile, it's like two bucks, and then like every mile, well, uh, about a dollar to two dollars every mile in Maryland. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, I, I think you just use a hyperbole of how cheap it is. But yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe I over exaggerated, but they're cheap. I think they're they're, they're fun. fun. Yeah, I was about so to say fun. they're yeah. a nice option to not sit in an Uber. So you know, have an awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah, all the um, weather bucks. Yeah, <laughs> is there a, a recommendation for anybody listening who lives downtown? Wake up early on a Sunday or and or a Saturday 
get on one of those because nobody's driving on the roads downtown and you can just like slalom that bitch just up and down yes. the roads. <laughs> yes. No. It is, especially if you're a little hungover, get the wind in your face, wake up a little bit, I go would, get a, a mimosa brunch. and I would recommend any mornings to people, like uh, 7 to 9 a.m. I do a lot of my workouts on the weekends then and it's just like so peaceful, so mm-hmm. nice. Oh, yeah. I run down by the, uh, I live in Bayview in that triplex. So I run down by the uh, South Shore Terrace a lot. And it's just like a gorgeous area. Nice. Except for the running park. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I enjoy that. I know it's more of an acquired taste. It's like an Iron Man. Yeah. Tender over here. Recently. Did uh, you do a uh, I'm signing up for that on Monday. It opens for yeah. next year's. But uh, I did a little boulder. Yeah. So I did a half. Um, what was it? 2016. Uh, didn't I did like wrote my own training plans? They were awful. I was gonna um, say if I had a they didn't work. Didn't get a coach. Had a pretty cheap wetsuit. I still have a cheap bike. Um, went way too hard on the bike. The run was brutal. Said I'd never do it again. It's the stupidest sport I've ever done. And then you get a bird. Get <laughs> a bird. Could be Eric's like yes. Might not be legal. But then uh, got a little bit overly inspired. I watched a Tour de France every year. Uh, overly inspired, signed up for a marathon and Ironman. And then, well, just train better. If you get better at cooking, yeah. like your first time through it too, it's like then yeah. you just figure out your strategy. And then like, I just finished David Goggins' book, and he talks about how he did a couple like ultras, and like you don't realize yeah. what it's like until you're in there. And, oh yeah, yeah, you don't know, but like even like what your mental state's going to be during it, like right. how you can push yourself and like coach yourself like within your head. But um, then I found Training Peaks, which is huge. It's not like a common mainstream thing, but training peaks, you like put your workouts in and it tells you like your residual stress score and like how much you can, like how much fitness you've gained from it. Mm-hmm. It's got like three scores, like your stress score that um, you can like your body can like naturally repair with like seven days. So it's like a seven day rolling average. And then your fitness, which is like a 42 day rolling average. And then your form, which subtracts like your daily values to like your form is like how tired you've been and like how worn out your body is over time. So like when I, I first started writing my plan for the Ironman and it like retroactively put my uh, workouts in there because I found it in maybe April and I've been doing workouts from February to do the June Ironman. And I like look back and like retroactively put everything in there and my, your form score is supposed to be like negative 20, like zero to negative 25. My form score is like negative 75 for like three or four weeks. And I was like, this is an awful plan. I'm just going to get myself hurt and like got any kid. Like, her figure it out. Yeah, but like, seeing that, I was like, that's very eye opening. I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. And like, learning, um, like, well, just how lactic acid works and like your heart rate thresholds and your speed thresholds and like actually using those to train properly is, is eye opening. So, yeah, I'm ready to get back on the course and do another one because I was incredibly slow. Good luck, man. Yeah. Sometimes you can run for it. Yeah, you have to. We'll be on the side of the street and beer in Madison for you. Yeah, yeah, my fiance or wife, whatever you want to say. Fiance wife. It's getting weird to say, but <laughs> wife. Uh, so I have my watch on me at all times, and I didn't obviously didn't have the phone on me at the course. And at one point, I was doing this turnaround, and it's at a bar. And I see like my phone or my watch buzz, and it says phone low battery. And I'm like, my phone's not with me. My wife had it, she's drinking <laughs> at a bar watching the race and I'm like I'm suffering here this is like mile 16 of 26 and you're drinking a beer yeah and I knew she was there too because I saw the like low battery and I was like this is brutal that's funny she's just shouting you want to be an Iron Man 
is a joke? Like, <laughs> yes, I do. That's I'm the best thing I can tell you. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a Michelob Ultra for you at the end. Yeah, yeah, she's not quite as into the endurance sports as I am. Yeah. Gotta have your own thing. Yeah, for sure. That's true. For sure. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming on. Of course, I was glad to be here. So it was a fun conversation, good to catch up a little bit. You and I haven't chatted probably since the last time you were at Painters, remember that night? Yeah, the last time at uh, Garage. Is that the bar that we're usually at? Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> Do you not like that bar? Yeah. Um, but where can people find you? Um, the Twitter, yeah. Instagram worlds, um, so, maybe LinkedIn if they want to connect and try to study something. Yeah, I think uh, LinkedIn is just Kyle Martin. Um, followers are. I don't even know if you, do you have an app on that or whatever. The app is. <laughs> it's just a handle. Name. Yeah, it's just your name. Yeah, it's just my. I don't yeah. have a handle on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter recently got off of. Might be getting back into though, but I don't. I don't even know what my handle is on this. Twitterverse got to get. Yeah, so you uh, wrote down mine, but you didn't even have yours. I have my Instagram. I don't have Instagram. Uh, I think it's actually think it's at Martinelli Kyle. Not a lot of interesting stuff. You probably just see my dogs on there, and then my Venmo is at Kyle Martinelli. <laughs> so I think those are my my only platforms I'm really on. Be sure to request. Yeah, I'm kind of on the, the Gary V train here. I think I'll start posting content once I feel a little more established. There you go. So, Love it, Eric. Where can people find you oh, if they aren't is, already following you? This is easy. I remember this one, Eric. No, I'm sorry. At Eric. <laughs> Speed bump. Shit. At Eric under dash. Underscore. Underscore. Twenty two. <laughs> I said that the first one too. You made fun of me. I went back and forth in my head. I was like, "Ooh, this isn't gonna be right." Okay. Twitter. Twitter. Same thing. Okay. It's an under dash, not score. System. Fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, I am at Jakubitz, at J-A-K-U-B-I-C-Z on Twitter, Andrew Jakubitz on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and Snapchat. So um, also Venmo if you want to give me money. Uh, uh, so yeah, check that out. Follow me, reach out. Let's chat. Always like meeting new people. Um, the podcast, if you're listening to this, I assume you know where to find it. But if you share it with people, tell them they can find it anywhere, Spotify, Apple, um, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find it. Also, if you want to see our beautiful faces, we are on YouTube. We put out content on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So follow us all there, the Casual Millennials Podcast. Um, share our content. Word of mouth is the best friend of a podcast, so talk about us as much as we can. Um, and follow us and like our stuff and share them if you like it. So appreciate listening to this one, though. I know Kyle does. Hopefully he gets more than five plays, which is more than his parents, us, and maybe one other person. So we'll see what we can do. Uh, (laughs) Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great time and day wherever you're listening to this. Cheers.